Good morning. I'm Aya Wimala, and I'm looking out into a kind of gray sky, and we had rain all through the night. We've had quite a bit of rain the last three days. I hope you're somewhere with enough rain. And your weather is, it feels like it's healing the earth. That's how it feels here, although we've had a drought. Um, we don't notice it that much, you know, in the suburbs. But we certainly notice that the fall colors are not as bright as they usually are. And they're just start, starting to uh, brighten up in some areas. And this uh, rain feels like we've really needed it. The earth has needed it. And I hope the earth is being healed wherever you are. So yesterday we finished the Pilgrim's, uh, Pilgrim's Companion. It was so generously um, offered for me to read by Canon Visaka Kawasaki, who live in Sri Lanka. And it's a... Uh, uh, we went through our 35 days of, of readings and reflections, and the rest of the book is just really wonderful because of the teachings. So if you were traveling, if you go to India, what a wonderful book to take with you. And uh, the stories they've put together are really, uh, they're, they're, they are suttas, they're pulled from the suttas, but they're written in a more... Uh, narrative form. I think they've taken it directly from the suttas, but they've they've written it in a narrative form that makes it a nice way to read uh, as you're traveling through all these places. So we did it as armchair tourists, armchair travelers. But we finished that, and uh, yesterday there were I put links. Yesterday, Thursday, the 28th, there were people who put the links in the comments. So if you're interested in finding the book, uh, some temples will have it, Buddhist temples will have it. We had it at our bookstore in uh, Blue Lotus, so there might still be a few copies there. But there's, there are some links, how to find it on Amazon and how to find it with uh, through the Buddhist Relief Organization which is um, a wonderful project that the Kawasaki's are deeply involved in, and they're doing so many wonderful things with any donations to help uh, in Sri Lanka to help people live better lives and help them with the teachings. So what I wanted to do today, I just... I'm working with this book. You might be familiar to it, and it's probably upside down, I'm sure, for you. It's, it's a book by Gil Fronsdale, who's a wonderful insight meditation teacher, and he's in uh, California, in Redwood City. He has his own center and retreat center. This book is called Steps to Liberation, The Buddha's Eightfold Path. And with a group I'm working with, one group, we're using this book to study. Um, and we've, we've, we're now on uh, Right Livelihood. And I'm also using in another book group, uh, Bhikkhu Bodhi's book, 
on the Eightfold Path. So it's wonderful to have the two to be working with. They're different types of books. But I wanted to read today just something at the end of his book, at the end of this book that Gil wrote. And he does go into the additional, uh, the last chapter of the book is from the Eightfold Path to the Tenfold Path. So I'm not going to read about the the uh, ninth and tenth parts of the path, but I do want to read his last, uh, just last two pages of the book because it's just really beautiful and I think it's very important to think about. So this is from Steps to Liberation, The Buddha's Eightfold Path by Gil Fronsdale. Okay, for most people, oops, I'm going to skip down one paragraph. I want to get beyond the uh, those two extra steps. Because ultimate freedom does not in itself require any beliefs, Buddhism is particularly sensitive to the problems of clinging to beliefs, interpretations, and stories. An important part of living the Eightfold Path is loosening the grip on our views, including views about ourselves. A significant experience of release shows us that we don't need to be defined by any self-concept or identity. More tenacious than clinging to beliefs is the clinging stemming from the drives of sensual desire and hostility. Even when people know that such clinging causes suffering, it can be difficult to let go. Even the wisest people can easily succumb to these. Succumb to these. This is where practicing the Eightfold Path is important. It provides a satisfying sense of well-being that is an effective alternative to desire or anger. Our strong drives can relax and fade away when something better is being experienced. Often enough, it is not helpful to be instructed to let go of desire and aversions. More useful is relaxing deeply, settling into a unified sense of being and enjoying the pleasant feelings that can come with non-clinging. Sensual desire and hostility can then simply fade away. The most difficult areas of clinging to overcome are subtle forms of conceit, agitation, and ignorance. A person who is trying to let go of these can be caught in the conceit of individuality and personal agency. Sometimes the effort to let go agitates the mind. Believing there is something to let go of supports ignorance. The way to final release, final liberation, is to settle deeply into a relaxed, alert state where one doesn't try to do anything. Some people refer to this as a state of equanimity. Others refer to it as resting in being. It is with this kind of ease that the mind can let go of itself. 
The Eightfold Path is called a noble path because of the integrity and dignity it bestows. As it is not dependent on beliefs, those who walk this path, this path do not champion Buddhism in opposition to the beliefs of others. In overcoming clinging, people on the path do not create conflict. Instead, practicing the Eightfold Path develops an open mind, an open heart, and an open hand. May this openness be of benefit to the whole world. And it ends with this beautiful quote that so many of us have heard before, and it means more and more the longer we live. Venerable Ananda said to the Buddha, Venerable Sir, this is half of the holy life. That is, good friendship, good companionship, good comradeship. The Buddha answered, Not so, Ananda, not so. This is the entire holy life. Ananda, that is, good friendship, good companionship, good comradeship. When practitioners have a good friend, a good companion, a good comrade, it is to be expected that they will develop and cultivate the Noble Eightfold Path. Wonderful. So this is a very, it's a very, uh, it's, it's a small book, and it has some wonderful reflections and encouragement um, to journal and keep track of your thoughts as you work through the book, so I recommend it. So why don't we use our time now to just sit together. I won't be doing a lot of guiding, but uh, enough enough that uh, we kind of keep going for our 15 minutes, but Think about those words of equanimity is when we can get into that relaxed but attentive state. And without the need to do something, especially to do something or fix something, right? You become more and more an observer. And the importance of having noble friends, that just kind of makes this path uh, natural, a natural way to be. And I know uh, when I listen to Bhante G talk, especially Bhante Gunaratana, Bhante G, there he is often talking about the Eightfold Path is about harmony, as are the precepts. It's all about being harmonious with others, with the earth. And that's what we're, we're pulled to as we, when we have uh, the noble friends and want to live uh, a peaceful, harmless life. That's all about, all of these things are about harmony. So, wonderful thoughts to think. So why don't we spend about 15 minutes just sitting with these beautiful 
concepts that we can that we want to embody just let them be there see if you can if they can let if those concepts themselves and thinking about embodying them and how you can incorporate them into your daily life see if those thoughts alone those images within just lift your spirits and make your day um, feel more more complete and more right balanced so let's sit together just be aware be aware of the body breathing Allow your shoulders and to move back a bit and your spine to be lifted up. No matter what posture you're in, you can do this. And then you'll love the feeling that your lungs have more space, so their capacity to take in oxygen is increased. Just your normal breath will become deeper. Be aware of the the body doing this for us. The body breathes for us. Feel gratitude for this body that supports life. The body allows us to be having this human experience, but we can have gratitude towards it and its functioning, and especially if things function properly, we can have gratitude, but we don't, we still do not want to become overly attached to the body. It isn't permanent. It's always changing. And it comes to an end. Goes back to the earth.
And just be aware if your heart feels open, if your mind feels open, Any aversion or any greed will start tightening that. It'll just tighten up. So if you've had tension or stress or issues with others in your life recently. There may be a tightness that's causing that's causing discomfort, that's causing t- stress in your body. Little things that we may not realize we're still carrying around. So as you breathe in, breathe in that openness. And as you exhale, just relieve the tension, the tightness. That tension and tightness can become that, can become aversion, can become wanting, greed. We want to be open letting go of this tension, the stress, the things that tighten us up, that close us up. We want to be open, to be more aware of how to be in harmony with our loved ones, with our colleagues, with our neighbors, with our noble friends. We can feel this in our bodies rather than uh, thinking through it, trying to analyze it or think, you know, fix something. Just let your body speak to you and how when we allow it to relax, we can just naturally see the qualities that can help us feel more at harmony with others and with the world.
our natural state is to be more open, to have an open heart, an open mind. Sometimes we completely forget that or feel that it's lost or that it never was that way. Hearing birds, we can think of how a flock of birds in the sky, how each member of that group flies in complete harmony with the others.
Let's end our practice with a very short metta. Let me just finish up with that. May I be well, happy, and peaceful. May I find a connection that allows me to expand, to open my heart and my mind. May my loved ones be well and content, happy and peaceful. And may they learn how beautiful it is to be in harmony with each other and with the world, the beautiful natural world. And may all the people I haven't met yet, the strangers in my life, may they be well and feel safe and be happy. May they be living in harmony. And may all beings everywhere throughout the world human throughout the world and into the, the entire universe. All human beings, non-human beings, all animals and creatures, all spirits and devas, all beings being born and beings dying, may they all be safe, happy, at peace, and living in harmony with each other and with the universe. Thank you. And if you have more time, remember this is a good time just to continue with that quiet mind and we can move towards that beautiful concept of uh, equanimity. Yes, may your mother attain Nibbana. Thank you for sharing with us. So I was responding to a comment. So have a beautiful day. Even if it's rainy, it's good for the earth, probably, in most cases, in most places. Uh, have a beautiful day. Think about these, con these ideas of creating harmony. It's so important, because with a lack of harmony, it automatically, I think, creates tension and dis-ease for us, suffering. So make that a make that a point you can think about today. Maybe find uh, read more about living harmoniously. Thank you. I'll I'll be here Sunday morning. Thanks. Bye bye. <laughs>